A large part of the last two to three parakim have been discussing the laws of who may eat truma. And indeed, the next couple of Mishnayas return to that subject. And we learnt in the seventh parak that a woman who is married to somebody who can eat truma, she can also eat truma. If her husband can't, then she also can't. Now, what happens when her husband dies? So it depends on whether she has any surviving descendants which came from that husband. If so, then she continues to do what her husband did. If not, then she goes back to what she did originally. So if she was originally a Bas Yisrael, then she can no longer eat Truma. If she was originally a Bas Koyen, then she goes back to being able to eat Truma. And we learned over there that if the woman has no surviving descendants, but she is left pregnant, the halacha is whether she is a Bas Yisrael married to a Koyen, or a Bas Koyen who is married to a Yisrael, she is not allowed to eat Truma as long as she is pregnant. Reason being, if she was a Bas Koyen who was married to Yisrael, so she can't go back to eating Truma, because the Torah says the Shovel Beisovia, that a Bas Koyen who was married and then her husband died, and she has no children, she returns to her father's house, meaning just like she could eat Truma before she was married, she can now go back to that original situation. However, if she is pregnant, she's not in the same state as she was back then, and therefore she cannot go back to eating Truma. On the other hand, if she's a Bas Yisrael married to a Koyen, she can also not eat Truma because fact is, right now, she has not got a husband or descendants who are, who are a Koyen. And therefore, she cannot eat Truma as long as she is pregnant. As well as that, we also learnt in the seventh parak that a Shemeris Yovam can also not eat Truma. If she's a Bas Koyen who was married to a Yisrael, so right now she's not in the situation which she was before she was married, because she has a Zika towards somebody else. And if she's a Bas Yisrael who is married to a Koyen, fact is, right now, she has not got a husband who's a Koyen, and she hasn't got any descendants who are a Koyen. And therefore, she can also not eat Truma. Now, Mir Araisa, a Bas Yisrael who has received Kedushin from a Koyen, so they're considered married to some degree, they've done the first half of the marriage. Mir Araisa, since he has acquired her, she is able to eat Truma already from then. However, Mijabonon, one who has only received Kedushin from the Koyen, may not eat Truma because she still lives at her family's house and her family are a family of Yisraelim who may not eat Truma. And so we're concerned that if she starts eating Truma, then she might end up giving a bit of it to her family and they would violate the prohibition of eating Truma. So Mijabonon, only once she is fully married to the Koyen, may she eat Truma. Begins the Mishnah, Bas Yisrael Mereses La Koyen, a Bas Yisrael who has received Kedushin only from a Koyen, Mu'uberes Mekoyen, or if she is left pregnant from a Koyen and he dies, and she has no other children, Shemeres Yovim La Koyen. If she's a Shemeres Yovim to a Koyen, the Chain Bas Koyen Yisrael, and the same goes the other way around. If she's a Bas Koyen, and she received Kedushin, or she's pregnant, or she's a Shemeres Yovim to Yisrael, Lo'toichel Bat Truma, she may not eat Truma. So all of that is as we explained, and certainly Certainly a Bas Koyen who has received Kiddushin from a Yisrael may not eat Truma, Midoraisa, because Midoraisa she's already got the status of her husband. Alright, continues the Mishnah, Bas Yisrael Mereses La Levi, a Bas Yisrael who has received Kiddushin from a Levi, Mu'uberes Melevi, or if she is pregnant from a Levi, and then he dies and she has no other surviving chi- children, Shmeres Yovom La Levi, or if she is a Shmeres Yovom to a Levi, the Bas Levi Yisrael, and the same goes for a Bas Levi, where she is a Bas Levi and he is a Yisrael, Lotecha she cannot eat Maiserishan. Maiserishan is a tenth of one's produce, which goes to Leviim, and according to this Mishnah, 
Just like a czar, a non-Kohen, is not allowed to eat truma, even if the Kohen gives him permission, so too a non-Levi may not eat Mycerician. According to most opinions, this is not the case. However, according to this Mishnah, that is the case, and therefore she may not eat Mycerician. Alright, third part of the Mishnah, Bas Levi Mareses Lakoyen, Mubaris Mekoyen, Shmeresov Lakoyen. If a Bas Levi received Kedushin from a Koyen, or she's pregnant from a Koyen, or she's a Shmeresov to a Koyen, the Chim Bas Koyen a Levi, and similarly, if she is a Bas Koyen, and he is a Levi, she may not eat neither Truma nor Meiser for the reasons which we explained. Mishnehei, Bas Yisrael, Shenisis Lakoyen, a Bas Yisrael who gets married fully to a Koyen, Toycha Batruma, she may eat Truma. And now this Mishnah is really going to lay out the rules which we have explained earlier already. This is where the Mishnah says it inside. Mace, if the husband dies, but she has a son or a daughter or any descendant from that marriage to the Kohen, she may continue eating Truma. And this is the Levi. If she married a Levi, she may eat Mycerician. If he dies, but she still has a descendant from him, she can continue eating Mycerician. This is the Israel. If the Bas Israel married another Israel, she may not eat neither Truma nor Meiser. If he dies, but she still has a surviving descendant from him, she may not eat nor Truma nor Meiser because she retains the status of her husband. Now this whole Mishnah is talking about one case. It's not different women. The Basisol married a Koyen, and she still had children from the Koyen, and once her husband died, she was allowed to eat Truma, but if she then goes and marries another husband, she has the status of her husband. So it's all very nice that she has a son who's a Koyen, once she's married to somebody else, that doesn't help. She always goes according to the last husband which she married. The fact that she has a Koyen son only helps her to retain the status of her original husband, but as soon as she now has a new husband, she can eat whatever the Levi can eat. And then once she marries the Israel, she can eat whatever the Israel can eat. Now what happens if Mace Benami Israel, her son which she had from her last husband the Israel, who also died, the son now also died. So she, she has neither a husband who's the Israel, nor a descendant from that marriage. So now she goes back to the previous husband's status, and since he was a Levi, she can eat Mycerician. If Mace Bonomi Levi, if then her, hus- her son, which she got from the Levi, dies, so now she goes back to the status of her original husband, the Koyen, and Truma, she may eat Truma. Mace Bonomi Koyen, if then her son, which she has from the Koyen, dies, so now she has no husbands and no descendants who are surviving, so she goes back to what her original status was. That was a Bas Yisrael, she may not eat nor Truma nor Meiser, which is what she originally had the status of before she was married at all. Mishnah Vov, Bas Koen Shnisus Yisrael. A Bas Koen who marries Yisrael, Otecho Batruma, she may no longer eat Truma, just like the status of her husband. Meis Vlohim Enubain. If the Yisrael husband dies, and she still has a surviving son, or any descendant from that marriage, Otecho Batruma, she can still not eat Truma. This is the Levi. If she then goes and marries a Levi, she now has this full status of her husband, and Otecho Batruma, she may eat only Mycerician. Mace, if he dies, but she still has a surviving son from that marriage, she can continue eating Mycerician. This is La Koyen. If she then goes and marries a third husband, a Koyen this time, she may eat Truma, she may no longer eat Mycerician, because she now has the full status of her latest husband, despite the fact that she has a descendant who is a Levi. 
Mace, if that Kohen husband dies, but she still has a descendant from that marriage, she may continue eating truma. Now, if the son which she has from the Kohen dies, so now she has neither a son nor a husband who is a Kohen, and so she may not eat truma, rather she now has the status of her second husband, the Levi, so she can eat my serition. If then her son which she had from the Levi husband dies, so now she has neither a husband nor or a descendant who's from the Levi. So Lotharabamaisa, she may not eat my serishan anymore, and she has the status of her first husband, who's a Israel. Mesbinom Israel. If her son which she had from the Israel husband dies, so now she has no husband and no descendants from any of the marriages. So she goes back to her father's house, as it were, meaning she gets the status of what she had originally before she was ever married. And since she's a Baskoin, she may eat Truma. And about this, the Pesach says, And she'll return to the household of her father, like in her younger days, from the food of her father she will eat. So just like her father eats truma, so too she may eat truma. The focus of the first few Mishnahs of this Perek is when a married woman thinks that her husband died and she ends up marrying somebody else and then her husband comes back and it emerges that she had relations and lived with this other man whilst she was still an Aishas Ish, married to a different man. And what are the consequences in such a situation? A woman whose husband went abroad, and they came and told her, Your husband died, and it's apparent from the end of this Mishnah that we are talking about a situation where only one witness testified to the death of her husband. Now, in general, anything which requires the testimony of witnesses requires at least two witnesses to testify that they saw a particular thing. However, in this particular situation, based in trust, even one witness. And this is due to the combination of two reasons. One is known as Takonas Agunois, which is in order that she does not remain an Aguna for the rest of her life. An Aguna is somebody who is stuck without a husband because she was married and she hasn't heard from her husband for years. For example, if her husband went away, and it could be that her husband died, but as long as there aren't witnesses who have testified to that fact, she is forbidden to remarry because there's still a chance that her husband is still alive. But it will be very, very difficult for her to remain unmarried for the rest of her life. And because of that, even if one witness comes and testifies that her husband died, we believe him. In addition to that, the reason why we believe him is because as we're going to see in this Mishnah, if her husband does end up coming back, then there are many severe consequences for the woman. Which means that even if one witness does come, and we do believe him, she's not just going to get married again straight away. She's going to make sure to investigate and determine whether in truth her husband is dead, and only then would she be prepared to marry somebody else, because otherwise she would be afraid that her husband would come back, and she'll face the severe consequences which we'll see in our Mishnah. So because of the combination of those two reasons, as well as the fact that somebody is unlikely to lie about such a thing, because it's so easy to prove him wrong, as soon as the husband returns from being abroad, this witness will be shown to be a liar. So because of all of these reasons, even one witness is trusted in such a situation. So Vinices, she went and got married to somebody else, but then after that, her husband returned. So her husband is indeed alive, and so it's quite apparent that she did not investigate properly. She didn't determine properly whether her husband was still alive or not, because she he, he was still alive. So she clearly wasn't careful enough 
And because of that, although, according to the strict letter of the law, only a woman who intentionally goes and has relations with another man, despite knowing for sure that she is still married, if she is a real adulteress, so then the halacha is that she has to separate from her husband and from the man which she had relations with illegally. But in our situation, according to the strict letter of the law, she would be allowed to continue living with her original husband. She's not considered to be an adulteress. However, we do Midrabbonin consider her to be one, since she clearly did not investigate properly. The reason why we trusted one witness is because we relied on her checking the facts out and making sure that indeed her husband is dead. But if it comes out that he is alive, which means that she didn't investigate properly, so she is punished and we view her as if she intentionally went off with another man whilst being married. And because of that, she must leave both husbands, and she requires a get, a real divorce, from both husbands. Certainly she requires one from the, her- from the first husband, because she was married to him. But Midrabbonon, she also requires a get from the second husband, even though, halachically speaking, she was never married to him. Because she can't be married to two people at the same time. Nevertheless, Midrabbonon, it, it appears to other people that she was fully married to the second man. They assume that perhaps the first husband gave her a get when he went away, and she went and married this other man. So since she did live as if she was his wife for a period of time, Midrabbonon, she does require a get. The Eloh Kasuba, she does not receive a Kasuba, the money which a husband writes at the time of marriage that if she gets divorced, or if he dies before she does, then she'll receive a certain amount of money from them. The main purpose of the Kasuba is to prevent the husband from divorcing her with ease. If he knows that by divorcing her he'll have to pay her a sum of money, he'll be less likely to divorce her. However, in our case he is obligated to divorce her, and because of that she is punished than that she does not receive a kasuba from either husband. Velopeiros, she also does not receive compensation for any of the fruit any of the benefits which the husband got from her nichse maloig, the property which fundamentally belongs to her, but the husband is allowed to benefit from the products of that property. So certainly she's not going to get compensation from the first husband. He never needs to give her back the money or the value which she benefited from her nichse maloig. The right of the husband is to benefit from the nichse maloig as long as he is married to her. The point of the Mishnah is that even the second husband, who halachically speaking was never her husband, which means that technically any benefit which he did get from the Nixim Eloig, he did not have the rights to, so he should have to pay her back for that. Nevertheless, the Mishnah says that she does not receive that compensation as a punishment for her having had relations and lived with this other man while still being married to her original husband. Veloma Zonos, she is not supported. She doesn't receive food from either husband. Now, of course, she's being divorced from either husband. The the point is, if at some point she had borrowed money for the sake of supporting herself, relying on the fact that the husband is obligated to pay her back for that. The Mishnah is telling us that the husband will not be obligated to pay her back for that, again as a penalty for her having done this Avera. And the husband also does not need to pay her any compensation for which have worn out throughout the marriage. If due to all of the benefits and the products which she is taking from her the property itself has worn out a bit throughout during the marriage, in general he would need to pay her back for that. However, as a punishment, he does not need to. 
neither this husband nor the second man. And furthermore, if she took any of this money from either husband, she's obligated to return that money. And continues the mission of Havlad Mamzer A child born from either of the husbands is considered to be a Mamzer. Now certainly we're not talking about a child born before she went and lived with the second man. We're talking about afterwards. So any child which she had from this second man before she was divorced from her original husband, he is certainly a Mamzer Mid-Oyaisa. Now, if she had a child from the first husband after her husband came back, let's say she continued living with him for a while, if they had a child, or if, let's say, he, the, the husband did divorce her, and after that she continued living for a bit with the second man, and then she had a child from him. So in these cases, the child would not be a mamzer. However, since it was forbidden for them to be married, we are strict upon her and we view that child as a mamzer. Now, if you think about it, we know that the halacha is that a mamzer is not allowed to marry a regular Bas Yisrael, and a Jew, a regular Yisrael, is not allowed to marry a mamzeres. What about a mamzer midrabonon? he's a regular Jew, so he can only marry a Bas Yisrael and not a Mamzer. But Medjabonon, he's a Mamzer, which means he can only marry a Mamzer and not a regular Jew. So he's actually not able to marry any of them. The only person a Mamzer Medjabonon may marry is a Mamzeres Medjabonon. Either that, or he can also marry a convert, as we have seen previously in the Masechta. Alright, continues the Mishnah, Neither men may become Tomei for her if they are a Koyain, and a Koyain may only become Tomei for his closest relatives, such as his wife. Since both men are forbidden to have relations with her and they need to divorce her, so they are not able to become Tomei on her behalf in order to bury her. And neither men have the right to something which she finds or that which she makes and sows. The reason why a husband generally does get whatever his wife finds goes to him is in order to, in order to preserve their relationship. And the reason why he gets what she makes is in return for the support which she gives her. He supports her with food and she works, she does those things for him. So since in this case he needs to divorce her and he doesn't need to support her, so they also do not get what she finds and what she makes. They are also not able to annul her vows. If a woman vows not to benefit from a particular thing, so under certain circumstances, her husband, on the day that he hears about her vow, he's able to say that I am annulling that vow, I, don't, I do not want her to be bound by that vow. And he is able to do so. Again, in order to preserve their relationship, so that she doesn't become disgraced in his eyes. But in this case, we sort of want that. Because anyway, he needs to divorce her, and therefore he has not got the right to annul her vows. Host Bas Yisrael, if this woman in our story was a Bas Yisrael, or any woman in fact, Nifslon Akahuna, she becomes invalidated from marrying a Koyen, because she is now a Zoyna, she had illegal relations, Uvas Levi. If she is a Baslevi in a Maiser, she's forbidden to eat Maiserishan. Again, this is a punishment with Rabbonon, Uvas Koyen. If she is a Bas Koyen in a Truma, she must also stop eating Truma. And that's Mid Araisa. Zona may not eat Truma, although the Gomorrah explains that even if it's Truma Midrabonon, even that she cannot eat Midrabonon. Now the next phrase in the Mishnah concerns something called Kasubas Benin Dichrin. One of the conditions in which is written inside of the Kasuba is that the Kasuba money, as well as any property which the woman is bringing into the marriage, if she dies before the husband dies, so the halach is that the husband inherits everything which she has, when the husband then dies, so what should regularly happen is that all of his sons split the inheritance equally. 
Perhaps the firstborn might get a double portion, but other than that, it's all split equally. However, the condition, which is written inside of the kasuba, is that all of that property which she brought into the marriage, as well as the kasuba money itself, will be split only between her children. Not all of the children of the man, but only the children of the man which came from that woman. So the Mishnah says that just like she doesn't receive the kasuba if she's divorced now, so too if she now dies, and then one of the men die, the ein yoshim shalzev, yoshim shalzev, yoshim the inheritors of either husband do not inherit her kasuba, and that's referring to this condition of kasuba and indichrin that does not apply. V'yemesu, if either of the two men die before divorcing her, the brother of this husband or the brother of this husband would do chalitza and not yibum, because this is the halacha when it comes to an adulteress, a regular soita, a woman who intentionally goes and has relations with another man. If her husband then dies, there is no mitzvah of yibum. So since we're jabonon, we are treating her as if she was a soita, an intentional adulteress, so she also cannot do Yibum, rather she'll have to do Chalitza. Alright, so according to the Tanakama, we are very strict on her with both husbands. However, Rabbi Yosi and Rabbi Yosi says, Her Kasuba is incumbent upon the possessions of her first husband, and she does receive a Kasuba from him, because she was really married to him. Rabbi Lozo and Rabbi Lozo says, Not only that, but Horishan Zakabimtsi Osa, the first husband does have the rights to anything which she finds and produces and he can annul her vows. Just like he could do so until now, he still has that right until he actually divorces her. According to Lazar, they punished her, but they didn't punish him. And Rishimon takes it a step further. Even the Yibum or the Chalitza from the brother of the first husband who was her real husband, that would exempt her Tzara meaning it's considered regular yibum or chalitza. He can't even do yibum, because at the end of the day, she did it by mistake. It's not considered to be a soita. And furthermore, a child born from the first husband, even once he comes back and he's obligated to divorce her, according to Rabbi Shimon, the Chachomim did not decree that his son would be a mamzer midrabonon. And Rabbi Shimon now adds that all of the Mishnah has been talking about a case where there was only one witness. But if the Mishnah if she married without a special dispensation or a special permission from the base then, who make an exception in the case of a woman that we can believe even one witness as long as she checks it out. No, if it was a regular case where there were two witnesses who testified to her husband's death, and we always trust two witnesses. So in that case, if she remarries, she's considered totally innocent and it's not considered her fault at all. And therefore, in such a case, if her husband returns, she is permitted to go back and live with him as husband and wife because it is considered out of her control, at least according to Ruby Shimon.